Iguodala, and here it comes. He got it! The Warriors have won on a game-winning shot by Andre Iguodala! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. A Smith screen. Hoji will defend. Your daily prescription from the doctor. And Saul says, pay pass a big ticket. T.C. Martin. And here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things. With that sweet mohawk. The doctor is now in. Unos, dos, tres. Ole. Glad to have you with us for hour number two. Appreciate Pete Gillen, the coach, talking a little college hoops last hour. Check out the website for that and all the other interviews at tcmartinshow.com. This hour, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright's going to join us. And also, the most lovely doctor that we get to visit with during the pandemic, uh, Dr. Christina Madison, the publichealthpharmacist.com. She's going to join us at the bottom of the hour to go ahead and settle a debate for Frank and I, if you missed uh, the first part of the show. Well, if not settle, chime in chime with in, yeah. her expertise Ex- and what she's heard about it. Yes. I don't know that any debate <laughs> is completely settled. No, it, it won't settle a debate. You're right. Again, like I said before, it's opinion. Okay? Opinion. We just varying opinions, and well, that's but, what but makes not, for a great sports talk radio. But it's not just opinion. There is some scientific research. There is some. I'm, I'm sure there is. By the way, I she's guess, she's probably excited right now too because we're about to get a new vaccine, a one dose shot, one and done. See, I like that. I I like that. I like that. Johnson and Johnson, though there might be more parameters than that. It might be more difficult to get that, but uh, we'll see what she has, uh, what she knows about that, and can chime in on that as well. Because uh, again, it looks like things are starting to go in the right direction. All right. Again, we want to update you on Tiger Woods' a statement from his surgeon earlier today. Uh, the man who performed the surgery at the UCLA uh, Medical Center, saying that uh, Woods had multiple open fractures to his lower right leg, and he had a rod placed in his tibia and screws and pins inserted into his foot and ankle during the emergency surgery. Uh, I said Woods was awake, responsive, and recovering in the hospital. Um, He also said that uh, it was early on in the process, and when there was uh, still a little bit of the unknown, uh, he goes on to say, all I knew was then what, uh, what... he had when he got brought in was a really bad car accident once we started to understand that number one most important he was going to be okay and it was non-life-threatening and two he had serious injuries that needed to be attended to he goes that's where they're at um and uh he said it was a pretty scary situation to think about but uh, he he is resting comfortably at the ucla med center yeah, and, uh, and again, hopefully he'll be okay. He'll be up and uh, moving about. There's going to be certain rehab to go through. Hopefully there's no other uh, things that they don't know about yet, like the back and other things. But uh looks like uh, he's also uh, moving in the right direction and uh, glad to see that he seems to be okay. But uh, And it's also it's, it's got to be a load off his mind as well to know that there'll be no charges against him or anything because, again, if you're just tuning in, the uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Police Department has determined that it was purely an accident, nothing impairment no alcohol no anything else it was an accident 
All right, we'll continue to follow this story uh, just like we did yesterday and then again today and give you the further updates uh, regarding uh, Tiger Woods and that one-car crash that happened yesterday. All right, right now, a guy who uh, moves pretty well himself most of the time, uh, the big seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ, three as a player, two as a coach, and uh, the teammate of our guest yesterday, of Craig Hodges, the Sheik, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. What is going on, my man? The man in the middle. Hey, I'm just very pleased you have the Sheik on. You know, Craig, uh, Craig is such a, a great guy, amazing guy. And, uh, you know, his life has been a real journey. And it's kind of interesting because it crosses with a lot of people that uh, that I work with, Jericho Angelo, Tex Winter, of course. And then he decided to make himself a California boy. And uh, he's, just such a, he's just such a solid guy and um, just deserves all the things that uh, uh, life has to offer because um, – you know, he developed a special talent, and he has a special vision for himself. And I'm just really pleased you guys had an opportunity to spend some time with him and uh, and just just talk a little bit about it because I'm sure you did not get all of that in in one <laughs> sitting. The guy, the guy's got a lot going on. No, definitely. And I love the nickname, the Sheik, too. And is that something that that uh, all you guys called him? And again, was that because of of the wardrobe uh, that not only he wore to the White House, but just how he liked to dress? Or why the Sheik? I think it's more of how he dressed. Uh, because, uh, you know, the guy really carries a lot of different or wears a lot of different hats. Um, but, you know, about the, the biggest thing they have is that the guy really just cares. He cares about people. He, he cares about uh, helping people. He wants to make sure things are done the right way as far as uh, supporting different causes. And uh, it's just um, it's just really great to just be around him. So, um, like I said, I'm just really happy you guys had him on, and uh, I'm sure you're going to have to have him back. Oh, and there's no doubt about it because there's such like we didn't get a chance to talk to. I wanted to talk to him about that three point contest mm-hmm. all the, that he won, and then when you know when the Bulls released him, he uh, got a chance to come back. But there was you know talk that the NBA was not going to have him back, and I remember that where they had to give him an alternative jersey because you know every player wears their jersey and because he was a, a free agent, and then again. You know, he didn't play in the NBA after that. He was basically, I'm going to say it, you know, you know, I want your comment here here in a minute, but he was relegated to have to go play, you know, overseas because, you know, going to the White House, dressing the way he did, even though it sounded like him and George Bush hit it off, you were there at the White House with, uh, you know, celebrating the Bulls championship. But that was, uh, you know, the last time, that 91-92 season that Craig Hodges played in the NBA. Uh, give me your thoughts, Bill. I mean, what, what in your opinion, was he blackballed? Well, I, I think it speaks for itself. Now, there's plenty of guys that are on the air saying that the league's not that organized or that tight and they wouldn't do something like that. But uh, look, how many three-point champs, three-point champs, uh, can't get a job. Like, like nobody can use them. Not a team in the league that can use them. And the, the, what I'm saying, there's got to be a reason for that. And that nothing to do with basketball. Obviously, the guy is the three-point champ. So it's it's insane to say uh, no. Uh, there's, there's 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 something going on, and um, and it, maybe you know there's uh, sub teams and, and owners that just don't want to deal with it. 
of any kind of controversy, and that's the way it was uh, was then. Um, I don't think it's that way now, obviously, but uh, back then it was that way. I don't think that teams, organizations wanted to uh, uh, to deal with it. And uh, there you go. The guy couldn't get a job. In an era when the three-point line was used, but not certainly to the extent that it is today, as a guy down low, when you're boxing out and getting ready, when you saw Craig Hodges at that three-point line getting ready to fire it up and he was wide open, did you just kind of know that it's like, well, I don't have to worry about a rebound on this one because he's going to hit it because he was pretty much money from the three-point line? Well, I play with great shooters. Uh, you know, if if uh, John Paxson, if you're getting double, John Paxson, you're kicking it down. If that's B.J. Armstrong, you're kicking it down. If that's Craig Hodges, you're kicking it out. If that's Trent Tucker, you're kicking it out. So uh, you're just uh, you're just really happy and um, thrilled that they're foolish enough to leave the guy <laughs> leave the guy open because the the chance of those guys missing a wide open three uh, just not good. So um, yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely got to get it to them. And conversely, those guys being a great teammate, if I'm open on the post, they're going to throw it to me. So that's that's what it's all about. So we're just helping each other. You know, he, I know he was a he was a great teammate, and he you really resonated with him because he basically told us yesterday. He said the the guy who was the leader of our team was the big seven footer. That was you because people will talk about Michael. We'll talk about Scotty. But he said it was you, man. And, you know, this is not the first time that, you know, we've heard that, you know, from people, from teammates and people within that organization. So I, I got to give you some love and pat yourself on the back. And I know how humble you are, but uh, that was the presence that you had on those championship teams. Well, my job was to support the other guys. And uh, you just, to be a good teammate, a good leader calls out nonsense. So if something happens and it's it's nonsense, you, you just don't allow it to happen. And and like I said, my role was easy because I'm a, I'm I'm a product of, of high school, of college. Where you know when I was in college, I had great uh, seniors, and they they would support you if there was nonsense going on. Uh, they 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 would fight you. Not only the players, but the coach. They'd be like, "Hey, coach, you can't do that." Uh, so that's just something that you learn, and uh, that just continues through the NBA. Where if you see nonsense going on, you've, you've, somebody's got to speak up, and uh, and that, that was my role. The big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright, five time NBA champ, talking a little bit about uh, those Bulls. All right, my friend, let's uh, talk about uh, these college basketball tournaments uh, coming up here. I know that you know you're going to be in town here next week. We're looking forward to it. The, WC, the the WCC tournament, always one of our favorites because not only do we get the chance to see Gonzaga, the number one team in, in the nation, but again, that conference, as we've talked about before, has really grown, gotten better. USF Dons, you know, maybe not having the best of years because I think, you know, there was, there was some hype that the Dons, you know, especially coming off you know, the last two seasons were very, very impressive. Uh, talk a little bit about how you guys prepare for the WCC. And I know last time you were on the show, you talked about the Gonzaga when they visited War Memorial Gym there at USF. We're talking about maybe not partaking in the tournament here in Vegas next week. Any more news on that or thoughts that you have about that? 
Well, I think that, you know, they're, they're definitely playing. And, you know, tournament time, is, as you know, is a really fun time of the year because anything can happen. Um, our conference is really hard. Not only Gonzaga, you got B, uh, BYU is probably having their best year and I don't know, maybe the last 10 years. Uh, St. Mary's is always the same. You have teams like Pepperdine who could sneak up on you. They're, they shoot a lot of threes, extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, also, um, now you have uh, uh, UOP with uh, uh, David Stoudemire, uh, who's doing a, a great job down there. And uh, they're extraordinarily dangerous, too. So it's it's uh, it's it's a really competitive conference, uh, really dangerous. So uh, for us to have a chance, we're we're going to have to play. I'm going to say we have to play perfect basketball, <laughs> but we are going to have to play the best we've played all year and get back to that. So um, it's it, it's it's going to be fun. And as you know, there's, there's going to be upsets, and I'll, I'll leave that to your category. But there's there's going to be some upsets. We know that there's got to be some upsets. I'll say it again. There's got to be some upsets, and it's just you got to be able to predict it and uh, look at it, see how teams health's doing, how well they're playing, what the matchups are. Uh, It's going to be really interesting. When it comes to the conference basketball tournament and coming here to Vegas, one of the big things is a lot of the teams have rabid fan bases that follow them, and they're excited because they get to make the trip to Vegas. Is there any difference from a team's aspect getting ready for the tournament this year, knowing that that's not necessarily going to be the case? Or do the players just focus on the basketball at hand and they're not worried about all that other stuff and the fans are just going to kind of lose out to some extent this year? The fans are going to have to do what they've been doing all year, and that's why I don't think that that's going to be a huge factor in it because everybody's in the same boat, and we've been doing it all year. So the the teams that can rally around themselves and bring their own energy and spirit, uh, they're 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 going to be fine. So uh, it's it's just unfortunate that those folks. Uh, don't get an opportunity to uh, to go watch the games and see their uh, see their 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 kid, their relative, their grandson, or whoever it is participate and play. And let's not forget the gals are going to be there as well. The gals, um, that's right. The girls, no doubt. Yeah, so that's that's always uh, really exciting. <laughs> so um, it's just that opportunity to. Um, you know, to visit, to spend time with the family, to to see something that's um, maybe uh, be really special. Uh, so, you know, the, the the fans, the families are are, are going to miss that this year. So they're just going to have to just suck it up and just watch it at home. Try to get a get a big screen. Try to stay six feet apart and uh, try to enjoy it. So, Bill, I mean, we just had Pete Gillen on, and we were talking about the the general landscape here. We talked about Gonzaga basically blasting everybody pretty much in the WCC and even outside of, uh, of the conference here. You got a chance to see them up close and personal, and you know that program very, very well. Uh, give us what your eyes see when you look at these Gonzaga Bulldogs, because obviously they've got – top-tier talent that they really haven't had before. They've had some great talent, but now, I mean, they've got one of the best recruits in the country in Suggs. Uh, just talk a little bit about 
what to expect from Gonzaga next week? I just think when you look at them, they um, they're just really deep. They're, they're they're a deep team. They're a big team. They're really versatile. They can play inside. Uh, they play really well off off the dribble. They can shoot threes. And um, and then defensively, they play really well. They switch. A lot of the guys are the same size, so they're really really solid. Uh, and they make pretty good decisions. So it's uh, it's it's really a nightmare. Uh, I was in the team that has an opportunity to beat them, must attack them, must attack them, and just keep attacking them the whole game because um, uh, they're just good. They're just good, and they've and they've got a lot of depth. They've got great size. They got great guards. Um, I was really surprised coming into this this uh, last year, thinking that this team was going to be that good. But after watching them and how they play, uh, they're just extraordinarily solid. When you come into the tournament and you are a team like Gonzaga and you have that target on your back, is is that beneficial to you that everybody is thinking they have to play their best game, or do you have to make sure that you're on your best game every time because you know you're going to get the best shot from everybody literally that hits the court against you? Yeah, and I think that that's um, something they've done all year. And you got to give them credit that, you know, that it's used to play on uh, championship teams. And you understand that when that team plays against you, and they're playing against you during the regular season, they're they're bringing their best game of the week, their best game of the month, their best game all year. They're bringing it to you. This is during the regular season, and that's what Gonzaga's had. And they've been able to, to maintain that level uh, throughout the course of the season. They, they've been number one most of the year. So everybody's been gunning for them. And, and they've still been able to answer it. And also, they've been able to be healthy, which is another huge factor uh, with injury and, and COVID. So it's uh, it's pretty remarkable what, what they're doing. Um, so... Right now, I, I think they're poised and ready. I think they know they're going to have their, uh, you know, a, everybody gunning for them uh, because everybody thinks that they they should win a championship. So it's a lot of pressure. Let's see if they can hold up, hold up and uh, uh, play their best game. So, Bill, let's transition a little bit to the NBA. I know you saw the Warriors and Draymond Green uh, in that game against uh, the Hornets over the weekend where Draymond got uh, two technical fouls with nine seconds left to go in that game with the Warriors up by two. Uh, they have a jump ball. Uh, Hayward gets the gets the the jump ball. They're rolling on the ground. Draymond thought it should have been a, a jump ball, but no, they gave, they gave it to Charlotte. They come back. Um, they get the ball. Draymond goes ballistic, two free throws. Uh, for Charlotte, make them both. Then they get the ball, inbound it, game winner. And uh, effectively, Draymond Green cost his team, the Golden State Warriors, that game. We've seen this before, famously in that uh, 2016 finals when he had you know got more technicals and that put him over the limit. So he was suspended for the final two games of that series. H- how does that make you feel when you see uh, a guy who's who's a veteran like Draymond Green continue to basically lose his mind in these type of situations. 
Now, and I will bring it back a little bit. Then he, he had a press conference uh, the following day and said, hey, I admit this. Uh, this this hurt him more than it did 2016. I don't know why you know they both should hurt him. But he was saying that he felt bad that he took a victory away from these young guys because you know he doesn't know how much... Uh, how many victories this, these Warriors will have this season. But, uh, again, when you look at a guy like Draymond Green, does it kind of surprise you that he continues to just do the same thing over and over again? Yes, of course it does. And that's just something that is extraordinarily amazing. Hey, look, if you can't play for your team uh, and your teammates – to make a more responsible decision. And look, everybody loves Draymond. I mean, he's revered here in San Francisco and amongst his teammates. Uh, but nobody appreciates that, um, you know, the, the point of where he's pushing the officials um, to, to have to say something. It's, it's almost just like an uncontrollable urge. Um you know, that, that overcomes him because that team really needs him. Uh, he needs his energy, needs his play, needs his defense to win. So, um, I mean, and look, it doesn't happen all the time, right? And it doesn't. But when it does happen, just like what you were saying, your question, why is that still happening? The guy's a veteran. The guy's been through it. The guy's cost the playoff. Don't forget that. During the playoffs, he did it then, and that cost him during the playoffs. So uh, at one point in time, you think he's going to learn his lesson. And uh, if he uh, had something to say, maybe at the right time, the appropriate time, and, uh, and, and go through that. Look, I've, everybody has an altercation with the officials. And those guys, you got to give them credit because they are 90 plus percent right. And But if you're going to approach them, Approach about the free throw line. You, I've been on the free throw line with those guys. You can say anything you want to right there. Anything you want. Any profanity you want. They just don't want you screaming it out with everybody around. But, they, but those guys are uh, those guys are pretty good. NBA officials are pretty good. They're pretty solid. They do a great job. And uh, he's got to get control of this, especially if he's got to screw games up. Right on the floor, unless you're trying to win the game. So, and do you think somebody's going to change the call? I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> so I, I really don't know. So uh, everybody agrees with that, and uh, it's just on him. We spoke about it earlier when we started out the interview with you here today and mentioned how, you know, Craig Hodges had mentioned that you were kind of like that team leader of the team for the Bulls. You dealt with a lot of different types of personalities on all the teams you've been on. How would you deal with a guy like Draymond Green on your team if you were in that situation? Because he is a veteran, but still, if you're the guy that everybody kind of looks to, what do you do or say to him as that unofficial leader of the team, so to speak? Yeah, he needs he needs more than one guy. He needs he needs two three guys. He needs he needs the whole coaching staff. He needs the GM. He needs everybody to uh, to say, look, this you know we can't have this. Save it. It's not the right time. Save it. So that's his whole team should be going to him right now, or at least a bunch of guys going to him, and they don't have a lot over there. Uh, to be saying, hey, look, this can't happen. But look, it, 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 you know, and we shouldn't get carried away 
because this this doesn't happen every day. But uh, it's just a point out of luck. This can't happen again. So I'm, I'm not really sure how you measure it because uh, because he is known for having that reputation. So if something happens, it's like if something happens with cousins, um, you know, it's going to be blown up because it's cousins because it, it happens more times than not. But the truth is, it, re- it doesn't happen that often. And uh, but when it does, everybody hears about it. So does he kind of remind you of Ron Artest a little bit, or some of the players that that, that, that played either when you, you know when you played or right thereafter? Because it looks like you know Artest was one of those irate type of guys who could just lose it on a drop of a dime. Of course, you know, the, the famous, you know, malice at the palace and, you know, going into the stands and all that sort of thing. But uh, who does Draymond Green kind of remind you of that you played with or against? I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone. I mean, he's not like Ron because Ron had some other problems mm-hmm. uh, that it's in his family and some chemical problems, not chemical, drugs, but uh just as far as some things he had to take um, to keep himself balanced. So he he was a different deal. And Ron, of course, is uh, when we played for him, he was great. Great guy, great person. Uh, but he's always had that, that, that problem. So however they identify whatever issue that is uh, of not being able to control yourself, um, I, 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 I do believe, as you know, you should express yourself on the floor, um, and, and how you feel, but there's, there's just an appropriate time to be able to do it. And the appropriate time is not, but it's time to uh, win the game. All right, my man. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, appreciate it. Breaking it down. College, the NBA. Uh, you will be here next week. Uh, a little R&R plus some basketball, man. We can't wait. We got some soup. Don't be messing around this time. I was disappointed the last time, but we got soup. Listen, you got soup last time. They just didn't have the no, type of soup no, that I, I was talking no, I about. Yeah. You got the Fideo soup. There's nothing wrong with the Fideo soup. That's, that's a no. good But this time no. you'll get the Hardy Albondiga soup. You'll get that. No soup for you. <laughs> Cartwright Family Contest this week is? Survey says. I will let you announce the contest. I know you're excited. This, uh, is, this is a big one. I will not form it in a question like this music, though. Okay? Or form it in an answer. That's right. Form it in an answer, right? That's what Jeopardy does. All right. And it will not be like Aaron Rodgers. And why is that Hammenager going to be hosting 10, 10 episodes? That's another story for another time. Because Ken Jennings <laughs> has another show. That's a good point. All right. So the Cartwright Family and Friends contest this week is the greatest female actress of all, all time. time. There you go. All right, Frank. You're up. All time. I'd have to give it a little bit of thought. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I get it. Go. Um, greatest female actress of all time. I don't know. All time. Bill, help us out. Give us some of the nominees. You don't know. Give us some of the nominees. You, oh, you can go old or young. It doesn't matter. It's what you like. Oh, Come on. Wow. Who do, I, who do I like? Well, do looks play a part? Cause I think you know we're guys. We're gonna we're gonna go with looks. We're not gonna go acting. I mean, when it comes to to, to male actors, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll look at the performance only. But I think we're gonna be skewed by by visuals here. Say Meryl Streep. At least you got one. Okay, Say Meryl Streep. I I get that. Um, 
Meryl Streep's fine. Meryl Streep's fine. How about Susan Sarandon? I always thought she was pretty darn good. Do I, is that okay with you? Susan Sarandon's fine. All right. Frank, you've had 30 seconds that's, now. That's on your list. I mean, with me, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know that I can would go real old school or something like that, but I always thought a couple underrated. I always thought Cher was super underrated as an actress. Cher. Cher, really. I mean, I thought she did some in the mask and other things. And that. She actually did some good stuff. And I always liked Sally Field because she could do like something like Norma Ray or something, but then do all the comedies like Smokey and the Banner and that. So, again, I don't know that you would put them as the greatest actresses around, but I more or less tend to think of people that I enjoy. What about Catherine Hepburn? Catherine Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, fantastic. Again, you know, probably before our time. I mean, Betty Davis was way before my time, too. I can't tell you that much that she did, but I know she was very popular. She had Betty Davis eyes, Mm -hmm. by the way, too. What about Elizabeth Taylor? I I said, I just said Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. I'm I'm just trying to bring it back to a little bit more, you know, more modern. Modern times? Yeah. You know, here's one that might shock you guys, but in, in a couple serious roles... She's been very good as Sandra Bullock. She she actually is a pretty good actress. Yeah, yeah. She, she's very good. And I loved her in The Blind Side. I mean, she gave you a little bit of everything. So I would put her up there. Again, yeah. And Susan Sarandon. So those are like the two modern, semi-modern that would uh, resonate with me, I think, a little bit. But yeah, those are classic ones that you're talking about, Bill. Those are old ones. But yeah, all good. All right. I got time to get my votes in before Friday, right? Well, let's hope so. All right. There, there this one is a bar burner. Now, this is going to be extraordinarily controversial, and I'm sure in the end, you're not going to be happy. <laughs> right now, right now, right now, Cicely Tyson's got a lot of votes. I know, Cicely Tyson. I see that. I see. Yeah. What was the drum roll for? Yeah. I'm talking, did I miss something? I don't know. Any love for Halle Berry out there? No, uh, Halle Berry's on there, yes. But yes, is she really she that does. talented of an actress, though? I mean, as greatest of all time. I don't know. That's, well, that's, that's, but that's that goes with your thing, that. too. And, and you, you know, what is your criteria? Right. If looks are part of it, she probably jumps up on the list a lot yeah. in a lot of people's yeah, minds. No doubt. Okay. You know? All right, big guy. We will uh, we'll talk to you very soon. See you next week. Come hungry. I hope you're starting to fast. And you're getting your workouts in, so you know I, we don't have to hear you complain about that. Uh, you know you gain weight, you know while you're here. We can't have any of that. Well, we are going to have to get some exercise over there, so just you better get ready for that. We can get the keys to the gym if you if you want to go in the gym. We can run some ladders. We can uh, you know shoot some jumpers. You know we can run some ladders. We can go in. We can bring a Frank and Numchuck. We can you can teach everyone the triangle. Would you like that? Sure. There's really not much exercise, though, learning the triangle, is there? <laughs> uh, yeah, there could be. <laughs> or we get Paul Westhead and we start running the system. Now, that, there you go. There, There is uh, some exercise for you. Well, I, I think they're running the system now. It's called Chuck and Duck. Yeah. So. <laughs> Isn't that true? Exactly. <laughs> Best thing about the triangle these days might be that it is socially distanced. Very good. Very nice. Get that ball in the post. Kick it out to Craig Hodges and John Paxson. Very nice. Steve Kerr. All right, my man. We will talk to you later. Be good. All right, guys. Adios. There he is. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, joins us. When we come back, the doctor, Christina Madison, is going to join us. We'll get a COVID update. Fans allowed into T-Mobile Arena. Just how many? Well, how many? We will talk about that when we come back as well. It is a wild Wednesday. 
Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, it's time to visit with our favorite doctor. That's right, Dr. Christina Madison, the public health pharmacist. And uh, check her out, publichealthpharmacist.com, Roseman University here in Las Vegas. What is going on, Dr. Christina? Not much. <laughs> Not much. Look, at this is the most timid I have ever heard you before. What is that? Usually you come on here like gangbusters. I mean, did I not give you a big enough introduction? <laughs> no, no, no. You did awesome. I just finished a vaccine clinic, so oh. I've been yelling at people, so my voice is a little strained. Okay, so now I understand why my voice gets hoarse as I'm, I'm yelling it, it on the air here at, at people and guests and Frank and especially Numchuck. but why would you lose your voice? Uh, and your voice be strained at a vaccine clinic? Well, you're just, you know, getting people to move to where you want them to go. I've also been doing uh, teaching, um, so I've been teaching the last couple weeks, too. So I think my voice is just kind of, like, pooped out the, <laughs> from all of the stress of the last couple of weeks. But I'm great. I promise. No, you sound great. I, there's nothing you, wrong. You're, you're working on probably about three hours sleep a night uh, as well, too, right? To being the family well, woman that much. you are and plus everything yes. that's going on. Uh, the, the, the FBI training, plus you're, yes. you're still awaiting that second yes. vaccine shot, correct? No, I've gotten my second dose. Oh, you just got dose. it. Okay, so second good. Dose, yeah, so second dose is administered. Uh, FBI training is going well. I actually have my uh, my weapons training is tomorrow, so I'll be out at the range with my fellow classmates. I was going <laughs> to ask you if you're packing already. So, ver- <laughs> so, so tomorrow you're working on a different kind of shot. That's it. <laughs> yes, a different kind of shot. No, I did the we did the virtual training last week, which was actually pretty awesome. So. Okay, so yeah. give us a, a vaccine update. First of all, yourself. Like I said, you've you've had the the second vaccine. We've heard that uh, symptoms maybe are a little bit more. They could last a little bit longer after that second shot. Uh, any truth to that? And give us your personal experience. Yes. So I would absolutely say that the data uh, bared that out for both the Pfizer and the Moderna products that the second dose uh, side effects were more pronounced. Uh, But again, when you're looking at it from the perspective of what the immune system is doing, if you're having things like, you know, joint aches or pains or even like some chills or flu-like symptoms for about 24 hours, that actually means that your immune system is mounting an appropriate response. So that's a good thing. So um, I know some people are like very concerned that if they have a reaction that that's bad, but if anything, it's actually a good thing because that means that your immune system is developing a response to the vaccine and that it should be more protective for you. So me personally, uh, it was probably started about eight hours after I got the second dose and I was on my butt for about 24 hours. So I had the full-on fever, chills, uh, joint pain, headache, fatigue, and then as soon as it came, it went. So it was literally like 24 hours, and then it was gone. So wow. Okay. Okay, so, so those are the Pfizer and Moderna. But now there's a lot of excitement out there because Johnson & Johnson looks like they're about to start putting out their vaccine. Yes. And that's going to be a one-and-done shot. You don't have to wait the 28 days or whatever. You don't have to go and get the second shot, make all these appointments. Are there side effects to that that you're aware of? And what does that mean to the whole vaccine thing? Because I know a lot of people, I'll include myself in there, 
I'm much more likely to prefer a one-shot dose than having to go twice. Yeah, so great question. So the first thing I would say is this vaccine, so the Johnson & Johnson vaccine data looks really, really promising. FDA today uh, saying that their their likelihood of, of giving authorization is really high. Their meeting is scheduled for the 26th, which is this Friday. And uh, you're completely correct on it being a one dose and done. Um, the only big thing that I would say that's different is that, remember, the two vaccines that we have right now are this novel technology, which is called messenger RNA. So it's kind of like the Snapchat of vaccines. So it kind of goes and it shows your cells a picture of what the COVID virus looks like, and then it lets the immune system take, take it from there. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is more similar to our traditional vaccines. So it's what we call a modified adenovirus. So it's basically like we, um, we took a very small portion of the virus and then we put it into a different container. So the modified virus, so the virus that it's in, that it's going into to do its response with, can't harm you. So it can't give you COVID, uh, can't make you sick. So the, the side effects associated with that are more in kind with our traditional vaccines. So pain at the injection site, maybe a little bit of a sore arm, possibility of like a fever or a headache, but definitely not to the same extent as the messenger RNA products. So the cool thing about the one and done, which, by the way, to use a sports reference, this is definitely going to be a game changer when it comes to um, how we're distributing the vaccine, because not only is it one and done, but it's actually got a lot, a lot less strict storage requirements. So it can be stored at refrigeration temperature. It doesn't have to be stored at ultra cold storage, which will be super important for areas that are more difficult to access, like rural areas, especially here in Nevada. We've got Ely, Elko, uh, you know, all the rules between here and Reno, right, that we need to get vaccine to. And some of those areas don't have the ability to store the vaccines that we have right now. So all amazing news. It's one and done. It's looking like about 60, 60-ish percent effective at uh, preventing uh, our uh, moderate to uh, our, our kind of moderate infection. Um, also really good at possibly preventing asymptomatic spread and then about 86 per percent effective at preventing you from being sick or dying from COVID. So Super great news, and of course, I will be happy to let you know when I have this brand new vaccine in my hot little hands. <laughs> she is Dr. Christina Madison, publichealthpharmacist.com, our infectious disease expert. You talk about the distribution of this. Uh, update everybody where we're at now as far as uh, you know the age bracket and then what's coming up next here, uh, because uh, we know that people are very, very anxious to get this uh, vaccination. Absolutely. So right now, if anybody wants to see kind of where they're at, um, you can go to um, the Nevada COVID-19 playbook. Just make sure you um, you look up version number three. So we're on the third version of our COVID-19 vaccine playbook for the state. So we went from doing priority groups to now we're doing lanes. So there's one lane for um, healthcare workers and essential workers, and then simultaneously we're doing general population, but general population based on age. So this week was actually the first week that we moved that age down to 65 and up. Before that, it was 70 and up. And then the next kind of uh, category that's going to go after this 
is going to be the 16 to 64-year-old age group, but with chronic medical conditions that put you at risk for severe COVID. So that's going to be the next kind of shoe to drop for the general population. And then essential workers, we're going to start doing transportation um, and then casino workers. So, yeah, so that's where we're at. All right. And where we're at with the Vegas Golden Knights, fans get to come back to T-Mobile Arena, Dr. Christina Madison. I heard. Okay, so fifteen yep. percent. It's, it's still yep, fifteen percent. Okay, yep. So that's it's not like twenty five for the others, but yeah. it's still twenty five hundred fans, right? Right. So well, yeah, twenty six hundred. I think if we do the math correctly. So give us your okay. take. Okay. Give us your take here. Is that the right amount? You're going to be politically correct and say it's great or whatever. You think we could squeeze in a few more? Is it the right time? Uh, give us your uh, opinion here. So I, you know, I'm going to tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that this is, it's risk, it's risk versus, you know, benefit, right? So it's a fine line between lives and livelihood. And right now we are seeing a lot of success with the vaccination, but we still have to be vigilant wearing our masks until we can get up to that herd immunity. So is it the right amount of fans at this point? You know, if, if they're able to social distance, if they're able to still wear a mask, Again, shouting, yelling, that's going to spread your respiratory droplets, right? So you got to take that into consideration. You've got to think about airflow, all of those things. So if, if someone is going to go and attend, a couple of things that you should think about. If you are unvaccinated, you definitely want to make sure you keep that mask on the entire time you're there, unless you're eating or drinking. You got to put that mask right back on. And if you are next to somebody that's not in your family unit and you got within, you know, that six feet of someone, you should probably get a COVID test a few days after you went to the event. So those are the things that we, you know, that we are, you know, just in an abundance of caution. But again, I think it's, you know, these conversations, we need to start having them because, again, we, we are highly dependent on service industry jobs. We are an entertainment capital and I am excited that we're going to start this engine going again. So we just got to start slow, right? But I think I think it's time. I think it's time. We just got to take all those precautions and um, just continually reevaluate to see if maybe more fans would be appropriate. And then also talking to people about potentially even asking about their vaccine status, right? It's not a silver bullet, but it's definitely better than being unvaccinated. Now, there's some speculation, too. Some people are wondering why the Speedway is allowed 20%, whereas the Golden Knights are 15 I'm assuming that's because it's an outdoor event, and that's still yeah. perceived to be a bit safer. Absolutely. So ventilation and airflow are really important um, because we know that indoor spaces um, that don't have that you know good airflow and circulation, they've been the ones that have had the most issues with outbreaks. There was actually just a recent... Um, uh, analysis that was just done that showed um, that there was about 86% transmission in an, a group fitness class. And so they were all in one space. They were um, not everyone was wearing a mask. They were spaced. But of all those people that were in that, that group fitness class, 86% of them got infected from one person. Dr. Christina Madison, Roseman University, publichealthpharmacist.com. All right, so we needed to call you today because we need an expert. you got to settle our master debate of the day. Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. 
<laughs> do, I, do, I, do I sound a little pause you for cause there? There's a bit of skepticism so in like, there. What is this surprise? What is this All right. surprise? So I know you, you were working, you were giving shots, so you couldn't hear the first part of the show. But we were talking, and, and Frank actually brought up uh, a point here, that we we're talking about Olympic athletes. And there was this guy, I believe his name is uh, is, is Doug or something. What, what is it? Eric. Eric. It's Eric. Er, er, Eric's carrying a huge bag full of condoms at the uh, previous Olympic Games. So we were talking about the Olympic Games coming, and I guess they passed out 400,000 of the last Summer Games, 100,000 at the last Winter Olympic Games. So with the Olympic Games coming up this year, Christina, we're just wondering if, if – the these condoms are going to be passed out now there's a debate between frank and i I won't tell you who's on which side here but talking about athletes who have trained all of this time to go to the olympic games shouldn't they be abstaining from any sexual activity before they're getting ready to compete i mean remember the old old rocky movie right i mean rocky says you know women weaken legs right and there's an old you know a couple other you know uh you know, adages out there as well, too, that you got to save yourself. Should, why, why are we passing out condoms at the Olympic Games? Christina so Madison, we I need your say, expert opinion here. Let, hey, all I will say is that these are young, healthy individuals that are in the prime of their life. <laughs> and if you wanted to celebrate, how better to celebrate with someone else who's also in their prime? So why not do it safely? Okay, but before the event. Now, after the event, it's no over. One, no one's saying before. It's for after. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. This is... So, our, no, our debate here is about before. So, we'll go ahead. So, go ahead, Frank. You you think that there, that, thing, that times have changed scientifically. That, and I'm saying that's always been a thing. It's a no-no. As an athlete, you're not going to do it. Your trainer, you're gonna, your coach is going to say, no, you, you don't do that before you're getting ready to compete. There is an article from Health.com and Health Magazine, September 14, 2018, that states, if anything, sex can be a boost to your self-esteem. That's according to a doctor who said that it can uh, relieve some of your tension, make you more, feel more self-esteem, and actually give you more energy in that for your event. And there are several athletes who have said that they not only do not abstain from having sex before an event, but they actually look for it. All right, doctor, go ahead. I think that any form of physical activity, especially for someone, again, who is in the prime fitness uh, status of their life it should not uh, abstain from things that are part of their normal routine. Because here's the thing. If your normal routine is that this includes uh, sexual activity, you shouldn't go outside of your normal routine. Because that's, I mean, I think about, you know, um, self, right? He, he talked about how he practiced multiple, multiple times, and he did the same thing every single day, even down to what he ate every day. And so if you're somebody who this is just part of your day-to-day, I definitely wouldn't want them to abstain from that. And I completely agree. You get lots of endorphins and oxytocin associated with, uh, you know, having those kinds of activities. But, again, going back to the safely, we want to make sure that people are yeah. having, you know, having sex safely, Right. 
But as far as it draining you and potentially putting off your game, I don't think I see that. I don't think I see that at all, especially if uh, this is something that they may be engaging in with someone else who is also at their peak fitness level. Just think of it that way. Real quick, and another story in Psychology Today from 2019. Many world-class athletes have engaged in sex the night or even a few hours right before their events and emerged victorious. Well, I can't, um, I can neither confirm nor deny this uh, because, of course, I don't know these individuals personally. But again, it, this is a type of physical activity. There are lots of, you know, uh, endorphins and positive hormones that are released during these, uh, these activities. So, again, if this person is uh, used to engaging in those types of behaviors, there's no issue there. Again, just making sure that they do it safely. There you go. All right. Maybe times have changed. There you go, Frank. All but right. By the way, the Vikings, they wouldn't let their players have sex before all four Super Bowls that they lost. <laughs> He's digging deep in some What I want to know is how do you know that? Because I'm like, looking it up. How do they know that? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know, too. Is there a camera? I, like, how do yeah. they know? The, the Viking I, coaches literally separated their players from their wives. All right, we've got to run. Mm. Uh, I know this is this, hey, this will hey, continue. DC. Yes. Hey, yeah. hey. Uh, wh- when are we going on that steak dinner? Oh, uh, I knew that sure, was coming. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, someone won the Super Bowl that I said was supposed to win the Super Bowl. It was coming. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady is the goat. Yes. Brady is the goat. Br- Brady is the goat, no doubt about it. And uh, yes, dinner is on me. So there you have it, no doubt about it. Congratulations, Doctor. You're a winner. All right. <laughs> And we'll let you get back uh, to it. Uh, continued uh, success with the vaccine and everything. Really appreciate the knowledge, and we can love having you on. Absolutely. You guys have a fantastic rest of your week. Thanks a lot, Christine. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. There she is, Dr. Christina Masson. All right. I want to thank Big Bill Cartwright for joining us, Pete Gillen as well, too. We're back at it again tomorrow. Al Bernstein will join the show tomorrow. And, of course, we'll be at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on Friday. Miss any part of it, you know where to go, tcmartinshow.com.